Dr Anita Munoz is a GP in private practice in Melbourne's CBD. Anita has held advisory positions with Better Care Victoria and Safer Care Victoria and has been a medical educator for over seven years. And she is currently chair of the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, Victoria. Welcome, Dr Munoz. You are a clinical champion for the Victorian COVID-19 Vaccination Champions Program. Can you tell us a bit about that program, please? Uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me on this podcast. Um, just as we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we are all uh, participating in this podcast. I'm on Wurundjeri land in Victoria. I know there may be listeners from all over the country. And I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person who's listening to our podcast. Uh, so thank you very much for having me. Um, yes, I, I participated as a clinical champion uh, with the Department of Health uh, for some time now because I think it's incredibly important for us to get the right information out to populations who need to get their uh, answers to questions so that they can make decisions that are right for them with regards vaccination. Um, we're now seeing the Delta variant of COVID-19 in Australia and just recently there's been an outbreak in one disability home in New South Wales. How concerned are you, Anita, about this new variant? I think that this variant is behaving in a more aggressive way than the alpha and the beta strains uh, that we know, that those being the strains that have come from the UK and from South Africa. So it is a strain that infects people more effectively. So it's got a reproductive rate of five, which means for every person that's infected, at least another five people will become infected if they come across that virus. That's a, a complicated way of saying the virus is spreading extremely rapidly. In addition to how fast it spreads, the Delta variant makes people much sicker than some of the other variants has. So it's rapidly spreading and it's also able to make people very sick very quickly and that's why we're worried about it. How important is it to get a vaccination and what difference will it make? particularly to those who work with vulnerable people, such as disability workers? Yeah, two very important questions. So broadly speaking, vaccination for the whole population, starting there, is incredibly important because to deal with a pandemic of this size, we need to use as many protective factors as we can to reduce how much the virus spreads in the community, but also reduce how many people get very sick and end up in hospital or ICU or die from the disease. So there's no one single solution to something this complex. We're going to be successful if we can apply various layers of protection upon the situation. So irrespective of which vaccine gets used, after two doses, Vaccinated people have a 95% reduction in going to hospital, going into ICU or dying from the disease. So that effectively means if they do get COVID, it becomes a common cold that we are all used to. Uh, in addition to vaccine, of course, we have to use the other protective layers that we know, including wearing masks, uh, washing our hands, uh, social distancing and managing crowds because there's no one single solution for a problem this complex. So it's all of those things working together. Now, the second part of the question, which 
uh, is about uh, disability workers and people who have disabilities. So that, that, that situation is even more important really in terms of protect, protection because we know a person who has uh, health conditions, particularly more than one health condition, they're more likely to do very poorly if they get COVID. So they're more likely to end up in hospital or in ICU or to die from the disease. So it's imperative that we protect those vulnerable populations, not just by having them vaccinated, but by having people who interact with them vaccinated as well. Many disability workers come from overseas and have a called background. English is not their primary language. They have different experiences with vaccination programs, maybe distrust in governments or rely on information they receive from overseas relatives, both true and falsehoods. What are you seeing in your practice or what have you heard in relation to vaccine hesitancy in our called communities? So this is a great question and uh, one that I can speak to personally. I have uh, family members um, from from this group and I certainly can attest to the fact there's a lot of information that is out there, some of it which is totally accurate and some definitely not. Uh, And so I think that there are a few things that are an issue here. First of all, a lot of the information that we have available that talks to the truths of the situation can be difficult to access if English isn't your first language and particularly if reading in English isn't that easy. So because of that, dispelling some of the myths can be more difficult because the information is just not that easily accessible. The other thing too is that for certain communities, there's not a great trust in uh, government in the scientific method and those processes for a whole heap of reasons and because of that I think it's even more important that we explain in in simple terms how the vaccines were developed uh, and why they work and how they work so that people can understand the science behind the recommendations that we have. I think uh, nothing better than getting advice from people that you respect and from your peers. So it's often community leaders in cold communities that can uh, speak to um, the people from their community, give them the information that they need, particularly if that can be done in their own language. So, Anita, where do you recommend people go if they have questions about the vaccines? Are there resources in other languages that disability workers can access to help them understand more about the vaccination program? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really good uh, starting point to look on government websites to download information that is um, available in a a whole heap of languages. I think this information makes best if you can uh, read it in a language uh, that you're very familiar with. Um, And that's a great starting point. I think it's uh, great to get an overall view of what these vaccines are doing um, in terms of managing our pandemic. But I also think once you've got that background information from um, leaflets and pamphlets that are available, it's very helpful to go and have a discussion with your GP or with a health worker that you trust, because there's likely to be additional questions that are important to individuals that they need to have answered to increase their confidence in the vaccine program. So I think getting a hold of general information is a great starting point. 
But I know from my own experience that people have a whole heap of very interesting and valid questions that don't necessarily come across on those leaflets and they can be uh, answered uh, by sitting down with a, a health professional and going through that information. The majority of workers in disability are women and we have heard that some women are hearing stories from families overseas that the vaccination can cause infertility. Are the vaccines safe for women who are pregnant, planning on pregnancy or breastfeeding? So we have a, the, probably the, the starting point here is to know that we actually have a huge amount of information about these vaccines now because now over a billion doses have been given around the world of these vaccines. So we have a huge amount of information that uh, forms the basis of the recommendations we give. Uh, and we are very lucky in Australia because we're making use of the information that comes from overseas and countries where the vaccine programs are much further down the track than what we are in terms of the sheer number of doses. So what we know is that the vaccine does not cause any harm to uh, growing babies when a woman is pregnant. And it, having a vaccine when you're preparing for pregnancy has a no effect whatsoever on your fertility. So there's no way in terms of the way the body works that this vaccine will reduce a woman's chance of getting pregnant and nor will it affect a growing baby. In fact, we want pregnant women to be protected from COVID because when a woman is pregnant, her immune system is a little bit dampened down by the pregnancy and therefore she's not as good at fighting off viral infections as she is when she's not pregnant. So we want to protect pregnant women because uh, they can have a more serious and severe form of COVID if they get sick while they're pregnant. And the same goes with uh, breastfeeding. So we know that you can safely give both vaccines when you're breastfeeding and there is no effect and no harm on the breastfeeding infant. So if people have family, friends, co-workers who are anxious about the vaccines or getting information about the vaccines that are false, what can they do to help build confidence in getting that vaccination? I think talking with a health professional is a really good starting point. I think listening to podcasts like this can be incredibly helpful too uh, because we can present the information to people uh, and dispel some of the myths. And I think probably one of the most important is about how these vaccines were developed in the first place. Um, understandably, people think it's a bit unusual that a vaccine could have come onto the market so quickly when we know that that process usually takes years. And it's important for people listening uh, to understand, I think, that the reason these vaccines came onto the market so quickly is that the entire world was participating effectively in one huge randomised trial, which has never happened in the history of medicine before. So there were hundreds of thousands of people who had the vaccine and could be followed and hundreds of thousands of people who hadn't had the vaccine and could be followed. And because the uh, pandemic was infecting so many people, they were able to observe the difference between vaccine and un vaccinated and unvaccinated people and the amount of protection that the vaccine gave. And that was able to happen very rapidly over months, whereas normally it takes years because they need to wait for a, a minimum number of people to be infected 
to, to draw their conclusions. So it was really the scale of the pandemic itself that meant that the scientists could gather enough information to draw conclusions about how well these vaccines work. The, the last point I want to make about vaccines is that they're actually really unusual in how well they work. It's not very common for a vaccine to be developed that is 95% effective in stopping people getting very sick uh, from the disease. So, you know, these are remarkably well-performing vaccines, which I think is you know, a small sort of miracle of science, really. So to increase the vaccination rates of workers in the disability sector, removing barriers to access is one way to help. What's the best way for people to organise a vaccination or maybe to help others make a booking to get a vaccination? I think uh, there's, there's a, a lot of ways that people can access vaccination, which I think is a great thing, and that's been designed specifically by governments to reduce as many barriers as possible. The first thing to say is you don't need a visa, you don't need a Medicare card, you don't need to be enrolled in any particular system to access either a test or a vaccine. If a person doesn't have a Medicare card, then you will need to go to one of the state-run facilities to get your vaccine done rather than going to general practice. If a person has a Medicare card, they can also go into general practice as well. But the most important thing is you, you won't be turned away from getting a vaccine irrespective of your insurance status, etc. Uh, I think it's really helpful to find out where all of the centres for vaccination are relative to where people live and work because it's easier to get vaccinated if you can do so in your community. And that's why I know, for example, in Victoria, there is a map of uh, vaccine centres that are really well dispersed across the entire state. So my advice would be for people to look on their government website for where those centres are and try and seek uh, out a vaccine somewhere close to home or within the community. Thanks, Anita, uh, for your time today. Uh, you've certainly um, cleared up some myths about the vaccination program and also uh, laid it out really clearly um, for me, I know, for about uh, um, the importance of getting a vaccination. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say specifically uh, to the disability workers uh, about the COVID-19 vaccination? I, I think I'd like to say thank you to the disability workers simply for being disability workers. I think that um, people with who are disabled in our country are, are very lucky that we have people that are dedicating their lives to their care. Uh, and I think one of the things it's important to remember as healthcare workers is the way that we care for our patients is what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, we also care for them by protecting them from, uh, you know, effects on their health, such as infection like this. We're very used to doing that with the flu. And um, I'm very grateful that disability workers are getting the right information they need so that they can make decisions about vaccination because we need to protect our vulnerable populations from COVID just like we do from flu and from pneumonia and all of those other uh, really catastrophic infections. Well, thanks, Anita. That's been terrific. Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about COVID-19 vaccines or find out how to make a booking for a vaccination, head to the Vaccines FAQs on the NDS website, nds.org.au.